Hey there, creatives. Thanks again for tuning in to this final episode for 2021. Um, today, you're going to be listening to a conversation um, with Karen Anderson and myself. And Karen is an art therapist that created a image-based career assessment. And I had heard about her work years ago at a conference and somebody was telling me about the presentation that she had attended and learned about her assessment. And I always wanted to learn more and um, it kind of fell off my radar for a bit. And so I was really excited to connect with her and learn about it and get an opportunity to take the test, which is fully online. Uh, so it's very accessible. And um, it's just, it's a really cool story how she came up with this assessment tool and how uh, beneficial it can be for a variety of populations. But particularly for folks that don't read or write um, because it's all image-based. Whereas so many of the career assessment inventories that we might utilize in our field, if we engage in that at one point in time, I um, did that in the school system for kids that were going to graduate from high school, we would do a whole battery of uh, career assessments. And you really do need to be able to read and understand. And so if somebody doesn't have a strong fluency level, they might be misanswering uh, the questions that they're taking on some of those assessments. And so that was that I think that is what makes this assessment really cool. Plus, uh, she shares a, a really cool um, story about how uh, she was assessing uh, the uh, effectiveness of the images and, and the meaning that they conveyed. Um, so I hope you'll listen and enjoy. And as a reminder, if you're interested in uh, participating in a group-based um, support program, I am offering the um, mastermind group again in 2022. Uh, so if you're starting a practice, if you're in the early stages of practice and you're looking to receive support uh, to build out uh, the work that you're doing, I'd love to talk to you and see if it would be a good fit. And you can head over to creativeclinicianscorner.com forward slash mastermind dash group. And there you'll find a lot more information about the group and also an opportunity to reserve your um reserve a 20 minute uh, chat with me so we can really talk about what um, is going on for you and really determine if um, this would be the right thing. And so included in the mastermind would be teaching workshops, um, some hot seat style coaching sessions, and uh, 
private Facebook group. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in participating in, uh, head on over to creativeclinicianscorner.com forward slash mastermind dash group. All right, enjoy the episode. The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist Podcast. I'm your host, Rena Lombardi, and I am delighted to welcome my next guest. Karen Anderson Fignan is a licensed clinical art therapist and career coach. She created the EPICS assessment tool in 2013 and uses EPICS to help individuals find meaning and purpose in their work and daily lives. The program uses the results of the assessment with brain science to craft a short and long-term goal, highlight interests and skills, understand why personal and professional values are important in the workplace and more. Karen presents at conferences and facilitates professional development workshops to schools, vocational rehabilitation services, and virtually. Uh, her signature uh, workshop, Hands-On Career Development, uh, workshop for all learners and ages, uh, focuses on helping people to discover their unique code and start their EPICS journey. Welcome, Karen. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. So let's dive right in. What made you decide to create a career assessment? Well, it wasn't quite that easy. It's a little bit of a story, which I'll make it pretty short. I, I was making jewelry and a residential school uh, asked that they could buy some uh, bracelets that I was selling to raise money for our food bank. And to make that short, uh, it was a art therapist that was running the program. And I looked at these girls and said, wow, this could be my daughter. And I decided, I think I want to go into art therapy. So from there, I had to go and finish my degree. And during the master's program, they said I had to take a career counseling class. And I'm like, I don't want to. I, I don't want to work in career counseling. I want to do grief work. And my teacher was like, mm, sorry, you're going to take the class. And that actually changed my life because when we were doing the career counseling, I realized all these different assessments that they were using for students and, and for any individual could be skewed. Like if you were smart enough and you wanted it to kind of sway to a certain way, you would read the question and answer it appropriately because they're like forced cho choices. But then I thought, hmm, if I use imagery, it's going to react in a way different level on the subconscious because it works on the subconscious. It would be more true to what interests you when you're looking at a picture and what you liked. So that's how the whole assessment started and it's just been my little baby since. So is that some, did you start developing the assessment during your graduate training program? 
Yes, I did. Actually, it was my thesis. Um, <sighs> it, was, it was very interesting how it came about. Um, I used my flights as a flight attendant to ask people if a certain image um, made them think of a certain uh, reaction or have a certain, you know, um, emotion attached to it. So it was kind of interesting doing that. And then at the end, I presented it um, for my thesis and got it in the Library of Congress, Congress Library, whatever, for the US. Yeah, Library of Congress. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So tell, share with the listeners a little bit about how it's set up and structured. And I know it's kind of still in evolution. Um, the way its current iteration is not what you originally created. It, it, it's, but it's grown to, to be that. And obviously it's creating more accessibility um, in its current version, but share with us a little bit about that. So um, as it started out, because I, I wasn't thinking about copyright and imagery, um, the images that we use were collage from different magazines. And what the whole um, basis is on, it's called the Holland Codes. And there, there are six themes in the Holland Codes. And this man back in the 1950s, uh, Dr. John Holland, he said that in order to have a successful and meaningful career, you need to have your environment and um, and personality be uh, coherent with your work area. And so they came up, he, he divided, and then he realized that careers have the same type of traits as people do. So that's how the whole um, Holland Code and your unique code came about saying that if you were say, for example, there's six of them, it's realistic, artistic, investigative, social, enterprising, and conventional. And so your top three, if those top three codes were of your personality were also found in the work um, career that you're doing, then that you'd find yourself um, successful and be happy and satisfied in your work. So that's how that whole development started. But then I was like, when I looked at it, I thought, hmm, knowing myself, I thought my personality, I'm very, very social. However, I do need a little bit of limitations on when I work and I need a structure a bit. I mean, I don't, I can go outside the box but I really do kind of need that structure and that hands-on experience. So uh, I don't, although I work in a social environment um, I prefer something that's more realistic. So it's just kind of interesting how it works. And that's when I decided it had to go a little deeper than just three, three letters. Mm -hmm. It needed to be divided from personality and environment in order to have like a true reading. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And so how many cards are in the epics assessment? Okay, so originally it was cards and now it is online. So there's 108 images that you look at and it's and it, I wanted it as easy as possible. So basically you just take a look at an image and you decide either whether I'm interested in learning more, I'm attracted to that image, or I want nothing to do with that image because it doesn't interest me. And that's what you do. So it's called a card sort. And originally it was an actual physical deck. And I, I still have them so that, for example, if you were working in a special population that might not be able to use a computer, you could actually buy a set and, and use it physically. And at the end, uh, you go through and then it'll tell you your dominant themes in your personality and your environment. 
Nice. Nice. So how long would you say in total it took for you to really develop research, you know, um, validate this? Because that seems like a tremendous investment to create an assessment. Yes, it took probably about um, a, a year and a half to develop the assessment itself. And that was with the original um, imagery that was used to develop the 108 cards, the ones that were not copyright, um, that had copyright, so I had to have it redone. So just that alone, and I can't even tell you the man hours because it started with some of my ch my children's friends coming and I'd say, make a card that says, um, I like to fix things, or I wanna help somebody, or a, a card that might say, um, I like things that are very organized. Mm -hmm. So originally, so just to give you an idea how long it took, I had about 30, 25, 30 images for each. Um, there's, there's 12 categories. So about 30 to 25 images for each one. And then some were just rejected right away. Then once I had a good amount, 20 to 30 each of them, I then went to people and asked them what one doesn't work. So it was a very long and arduous uh, elimination process. Then when that was done, I ended up with, I think there's nine in each category. Well, I think I know there is. And um, I took it to a community college to have the first pilot test. And we did about 75 students and faculty to take the assessment. And um, it was very successful in that sense. Oh, that's really cool. Wow. So yeah. A, a lot of work went into it and I'm wondering, okay, so you create all these cards, you didn't realize that there was copyrighted images there, which that's a learning lesson, right? For all of us, if we're going to use imagery, even if it is collage material, it is copyrighted because it was from the magazine or the publisher that, okay, we have to do our due diligence. So once you realize that, then what was the process to get the iteration of what those images are now? So then I went and hired a, um, actually, she was an art therapist also. I hired an art therapist and I gave her all the cards and I said, I need you to um, duplicate these images as close as you can of each of the 12 categories. And then I need you to make another five in each category to see if, you know, the ones that ended up being tried and true, which were what were originally made, um, would still stand out. So after she had gotten all that together, the process started again, asking people, mm -hmm. you know, which ones worked, which ones didn't. And those are actually, there's only like three out of the entire deck that were one of the ones that she created on her own. Oh, that are the now. So the, the first group was pretty accurate, but I can tell you when I had people collaging them, some of the stuff was really crazy that people came up with, you know, <laughs> which, which was really fun to see, but I was like, Ooh, I don't think I want to ask her to do this again. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, I can see why you would, you would want to hire out help too, because that would be a tremendous amount of work to do all on your own. It, it was, it would have been really 
um, tedious than the other thing is too, is I wanted to make sure that one of the things I did tell her, is I said, I wanted every ethnicity um, represented within the deck mm -hmm. when we went and, and redid it. And a couple other little things that I felt were important. And like one of, one of the items is there's no American money in it. And if you look at anything that has money, it's in a foreign currency because I didn't want that um, attachment to the US dollar. Like that's what I want, money, money. Or say a young student, because they're not then really think, you know, they start to think in their mind something different than elicit from their gut what they like or dislike. Fascinating. Yeah, I I I probably wouldn't have thought about that, but it makes a lot of sense. We do have a lot of attachment to images of money and thoughts of money that are on a very unconscious level, possibly inherited from our family. And, you know, yeah, uh, absolutely. That would play out for sure in the images. Wow. So in your practice, how do you use the epics to help somebody find their journey and kind of map out their journey? And how are you integrating it in your practice, basically? So um, I originally, when I first started using it, it would be, I would have them take up, uh, individual come and take the assessment. And then we would do a quick response of exactly what they were feeling at the time, because it's kind of interesting. Sometimes somebody may have a response to an image and it might be something linked to the past or an experience, something with their family, and they need to work through that issue too, which was kind of interesting. And that was, you know, one of the things of using a deck as a therapist versus online, because you actually have that card and, you know, it's that feeling. However, um, online, it works just as well as because the client can tell you, you know, this was the card that gave me an issue. And then from there, we would talk to our reflections. The next thing I would do is have them make a collage of kind, you know, what, where do they see themselves in five years? Or sometimes I'll even do one of um, the person, place, and thing. I'm not too sure if you're the animal. It's, um, I'll do that because it's really interesting how different uh, signs or traits will come out in an animal or in an environment that they don't really think about bringing into their work. And so um, I'll just do something really quickly, which was one, um, there's also a visual, visualization, which is, um, will be down below that you can just go and listen to it, you know, free. But we was working with this one woman in New York City and she was very high powered executive, but she was really unhappy. She was probably mid fifties. So she was just, I'm just finishing out my career. I don't want to get you know, let go because of X, Y, and Z. Sure. And she said, but I'm just really not happy. She goes, and I go into the, like into a meeting and I'm, all, I'm with these men and I feel like I have to, you know, perform a certain way. I said, okay, well, let's see if there's something we can do. We took the assessment and then uh, she wrote down her reflections and she proceeded to make a collage after she listened to um, the visualization. And um, I will ask the people, you know, what are you wearing? What do you feel? Like what's underneath your feet um, afterward? And so she, she made a collage of all this flowing clothes. So it was like very feminine. And I said to her, it's very interesting because you know, your collage is saying one thing, but you're telling me about work being another. And I'm just wondering, what do you wear when you go into them? She goes, why well, wear these suits? And they're very, you know, formal. And I said, oh, 
I, you know, I think you're not being true to yourself because your results came out X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. which means that you need to integrate something into your life, you know, into your work area and maybe your clothes would do it. And about three months, not three weeks later, when we, um, we had met another time and the third time, she was like, you know, you're right. I started wearing like these really silky and more um, uh, feminine blouses. And I said, I'm not keeping everything, you know, buttoned up and tight. And she said, no one looked at me funny. And I feel so much better. I feel more confident because I feel like I am who I really am now. Oh, wow. And it was really interesting because that was just the clothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was a big um, change, but that came out through, you know, be between using the assessment, making a collage and talking about it, you know, mm -hmm. and from the visualization. Another one was golden handcuffs as one man. It was just interesting. He was 34 years old and uh, came out exactly. He was um, a high finance on Wall Street. He made a huge amount of money, but he said, I'm just not happy. And I said, okay, let's see what we're going to do because he goes, I can't quit my job. I make, you know, he made well over $600,000 a year. And I said, oh, I get that. And uh, so he, we went to make it sure we went through the whole process and the visualization and talking. And it turned out that this is so funny. He loves salsa dancing. He was actually from Santa Domingo and his family all danced. He grew up dancing, but he didn't dance any longer or have any kind of, you know, interaction with that kind of group. So we ended up devising a way for him to start a salsa club in high school in the city. I forget where it was. And he was able to work with them and get his dancing in. And he said, now I'm happy going to work again because my money now supports it because it doesn't cost me much to support this group. And so it gave him the reason to continue. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I like about this assessment when we're talking about older or you know people that are already in their career, but wondering, you know, what, what do I do? I'm not happy, but I can't leave. I love that. Yeah. I think that, that that's an easy place for people to find themselves. They've invested many years to achieve the uh, success and the financial stability that they've acquired at that point in their occupational journey. And, uh, want something different for themselves, but don't necessarily want to give up that, that stability. And I mean, all those years that go into getting yourself to be in that position. So what a beautiful, a beautiful way of helping him discover um, how he could create more balance in his life to enhance what he was doing at work. Hey there, listeners. I'm just cutting into this episode for a couple of minutes to share with you some upcoming events that we have that I don't want you to miss out on. Um, first, we're going to be reopening the Creative Therapy Practice Builder Mastermind Group in 2022. And if you've been listening and you're ready to take action and create the creative arts practice of your dreams, um, and you want support around that, uh, then this might be the group for you. We're going to meet 60 minutes, three times a month, and we'll have one week be um, a particular topic of focus, um, providing some education and resources. And then the other two will be really focused on pinpointing challenges that you're having um, in, as you're building your business or growing your business. And we'll 
we'll provide you with support around those and um, additional resources to support you to overcome whatever it is that's challenging you in the moment. The group is going to be capped at 10 participants, so it's going to be small and, um, and intimate. Even if um, we only have five, uh, it'll be a nice group and we'll, um, we'll, keep, we'll keep going if there's only five. And so in order to sign up for that, you can head over to creativeclinicianscorner.com forward slash mastermind dash group. And you can check that out there. I look forward to seeing you then. I think that's why using that creative um, expression, whether it's using art therapy or music therapy, whatever it is, to you know let that subconscious come up and mm-hmm. make you remember, you know what what it is that makes you you know uh, smile, bring joy to your day. Yeah, I think that's really important in work satisfaction. It's not just the time that you're spending at work. It's how you spend the time outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um, that is really important and impacts how you feel at work. It impacts not just how you feel at work. It impacts your personal life, your friends, your family, because, and that's what I say to, um, to different people, especially when I do presentations and workshops, if you're not happy, no one around you is going to be happy when you're there, unfortunately, but it's, it's kind of like a ripple effect. And it's kind of interesting because um, when I first you know, developed the assessment, it, I was working just with individuals one-on-one. And I found that I really shine doing like more group work and um, teaching others. So I have, um, every year we do a training. It started out with five counselors and now it's up to 52 for the state of Connecticut that uses the assessment. Um, and that's actually in um, special populations because it is so easy and there's no anxiety when you're taking the assessment and the different uh, activities that I've written and, and have asked to, you know, like for input, like what would be helpful for your, your clientele and we can devise something um, that it's just, it's, it's shining there, which is great. Oh, that's really cool. Um, I, I definitely recognize that in taking the assessment that it reduces the barriers that would be present in other uh, typical career assessments that are offered um, because there's no language. Exactly. So, you know, and that barrier is gone and then they realize there's, you know, there's no right or wrong, which is, you know, I mean, we always say that, but when you're reading something in the verbal words are coming out if you don't quite know what's going on it's kind of hard for some you know students Mm -hmm. or individuals to say you know yes I like it or or no because they're not they don't really know what we're talking about it reminds me of um, an assessment long ago and that was the other thing uh, an art therapy assessment that made me that um, factored how I chose these cards and images was they were doing a oh I forget it was an, uh, an assessment in either Korea or somewhere and it had to be picking an apple from a tree. It's a typical assessment mm-hmm. and everybody failed because they made them blue and orange and green, you know, like all different colors and they were just all different shapes. And it's because the people of Korea didn't know what an apple tree was. And so 
they just did a wild stab at things. And I think that happens too a lot, especially, you know, with students or somebody with language barrier or just, just has a different maybe cultural background. They're not exactly sure what something is. So they'll just take a stab mm-hmm. and then, they end up, you know, with a result that's inaccurate. Yeah. Which is interesting too, because when you think about art, right. And the create creativity that goes into art, we want to encourage people to be imaginative and, you know, not do things from a literal place. Um, so if you make a purple apple or a green apple or an orange apple that shouldn't go that shouldn't be like held against somebody in in a way you know yeah so when I'm working with like groups of students you know I say use your imagination when you're going to make the collage or you're doing things because you know our jobscape is so different than it was when like I was growing up we had pretty much you know standardized kind of like okay you can go into this area but now with this whole new gig economy and you know the apps and the digitalness you if you can get that imagination, if you can, you know, tap into that inner voice in you and say, yeah, this is what I'm good at. This, this is what I would like to do. Then there, there very well can be a place for you out there to do just that, which those opportunities, you know, yes, you do have to still probably have a job that, you know, pays your bills, but, you know, there are opportunities now that you can be way more creative and, and, and have that um, making a, a, a purple apple. Mm -hmm, mm because there's other people out there that want a purple apple yeah you know so and that's why it's like you know it's all based on your you know your intuition and what you know about yourself and that's the other thing that's so great about this assessment and of course I, I I love it but um it validates what we know about ourselves it's not what you know, your, your parents, your friends say that they think you are, it's not what some other person you've met, you know, say you are, it's what, you know, deep down inside. Mm, right. And, you know, and whether or not, you know, you share that with somebody that's up to you with this, but it does kind of tell you, hmm, you know, you, you, this is you, you're right. So go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, is so important there people particularly uh young people are under so much pressure to know what they're going to do for their career in the teenage years where it's so it's so difficult just to get through the day let alone to be thinking about what am i going to be doing for my career why do i have to know what my college major is in high school and you know, all of that to give them more freedom to say like, here, here are the arenas where you're really going to shine and which one resonates with you. And you don't even have to decide like, but you can start taking steps in that general vicinity, right? Like if you are more creative, figuring out what are all the different types of creative focus jobs that are out there. And there are so many now. Um, oh, that's so. absolutely true. I, I mean, and like I said, the opportunities are pretty endless when you think of, you know, um, all these new apps and, and workways, whoever thought Uber would take over taxi cab drivers, you know, I mean, but it was just somebody who had a thought, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I like to encourage, you know, 
if a student wants to be that way, then you have to encourage that because you know, they may not want to become a uh, construction worker or uh, they may not want to go into academia or have to spend, you know, 10 years before they can actually, you know, get a paycheck. And both my kids have done that and they're like, mm, what did I do? I mean, they'll, they'll be happy afterward, but they, um, you know, it, it was definitely an eye opener how hard it is now to get a job in one of those typical careers. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, a different market for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people struggling to find careers. Yeah, and and the other thing is is I don't we don't put enough emphasis on personal values mm -hmm. um, to be met in your work area because there are so many people that need to have like a re reinforcement that they're doing well or accepted, and some of these places that where, where they're working, they don't have that. You know, it's, you're just another person. Some people need that reassurance on more regular basis and other people don't. And so the, those are the, like, what personally do you need? Do you need to have uh, a flexible schedule because maybe you're taking care of, you know, an infant or you're taking care of an, you know, an adult, older adult or your parents, you know, what is it that you actually need? Like another friend of mine, she's amazing. Um, she's very smart, but she doesn't really work nine to five well. Sure. She'll do a stint of like 10 hours all through the night and come out with amazing work. And so now, you know, she, her employer recognizes that and lets her do it the way it works for her. You know, and those are all the things you really need to consider too, when you're talking about the environment that you're working in, not the job per se, but what is it that you need that's going to make your life better and give you more quality um, time either at home or, um, or just in interacting and communicating with others mm -hmm. so that you're not so stressed. Yeah. So how do you go about like helping people to identify and understand what those variables are? I think for some people that might come really easy and they might have just a sense of knowing about it, but for other people, I think they might not really know at all. They, you know, and so that's kind of, you know, as I said before, you know, with, um, I do a lot with uh, rehabilitation or vocational um, with special populations. And what we're trying to work in, in is uh, customized employment. So by using the assessment and the different activities, it gives somebody a clearer idea of what they need, but those things are written out there for them. They're in a worksheet. Like, do you need a job that's on a bus line or do you have to be driven to work? You know, things that you really don't think about. Are you willing to take a class to get a certificate? Can you take a class online for a certificate? Or do you need to, you know, do you need to be in a classroom? Or, um, you know, do you work well alone? You can you work with one or two people and a big team is that overwhelming like sometimes some people the stimuli like I know um, some people have effects with lighting oh, or yeah. noise levels and it doesn't mean that they have a disability it's just just them you know just they you know they need to have a very clean work environment mm -hmm. you know so it's, those are things that I think need to be brought to people's attention more sure 
you know, than just, oh, you're great at math and you can do X, Y, and Z, you know? Yeah. I think that's, um, that, that is really an interesting thing to think about because a lot of times we like to lump people into groups based on the tasks, which they're performing, but each person is performing that task from a unique perspective. And, you know, I'm just thinking about going into different artists studios, for example, Mm -hmm. where you go to some artist studios and you can't make heads or tails of what's trash and what's work and what's going on. And there's stuff everywhere. And it's like, it, it is a very stimulating environment. And then you go into another person's studio and everything is crisp. It's clean. There's no clutter. The paint or the colors that they're working with are organized in a very specific way, you know, and each person is able to be successful in those different environments. They're accomplishing the same task, but they do need different, they need a different environment in order to achieve the outcome. So that's great. Exactly. You know, and then you just think, could you imagine the person, you know, who, who needed something so structured and, you know, orderly have to work in an environment of chaos, you know, that would just, that it would, you know, one, it wouldn't end well, and it would just, you know, shut down all their creative processes because they'd be trying to, you know, become less stressed yeah. in trying to deal with something that, you know, if they know that in advance, mm-hmm. it helps to eliminate maybe a problem. Right. Like that might not be the best setting for you. Let's exactly. see if we can find a different setting. Right. So if you're working, you know, if you, you know, use this assessment with your client, then that would be something, you know, like, yeah, oh, you know what? This person might need to do a little more work here and be able to pull out that worksheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, Very yeah. cool. So when you are, you know, working with, people in like the vocational rehab facilities and um, within the school systems, when you're talking about um, like career opportunities, do you bring up how often or with what frequency people should be kind of checking in about, is this still the right fit? Do I need to make a change? Um, I do, I, you know, so a lot of times now what I've done, I'm not working with the students, I'm working with the faculty. And I, when I, when I give the professional development and like, and it's given to them so that they can then turn around and, and use this assessment with their students. But I say to them, take this assessment for yourself. Don't think about the student because when was your last time you had a career checkup? Because again, you know, you could, your interest in, in, um, Attractions change as you get older, your priorities shift and you, you know, you, your what you value will change a bit, of course. I mean, it, it just has to evolve. And so I think that one adult should go, you know, every couple of years and check. I mean, or especially if they, they're not happy where they are. That's, that's a big major, um, you know, eye opener saying, oh yeah, let's, let's see what's going on. Because like I said, it could be just as simple as shifting the clothing you're wearing for that one woman, mm-hmm. you know, um, or it could be something like, okay, I've got to, I have to do a whole redirect, like, you know, from 
going back to school in the mid forties to finish your undergraduate and become an art therapist. So, you know, you, you don't know what you're in for, but it's, um, if the, per, if you don't know, you, 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 you nothing changes is nothing changes mm-hmm. basically, you know, and that's on my website and, um, you have to take that step forward. And I think like every couple of years, people should do a career check and make sure. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, I would love like companies to offer something like this. Yeah. When I was first starting off as a professional, you know, in mental health, I thought, oh my gosh, there must be something wrong with me. I can't seem to stay in a work environment longer than a year or two and without needing to make another change. Um, And then I came to realize that it wasn't, there wasn't something wrong with me. It was the, it was that I wasn't compatible to work in those systems and that I needed to create a system of my own to be successful and content, but it took a long time to get there. Um, And even now in my own, having my own thing, I feel like that's helpful because I can continually make those changes. Like, you know what, this isn't working for me. I don't want to see that many clients. Oh, I want to do podcasting now. Oh, I want to do this. And I have that flexibility to make it work, to keep, keep my interests and excitement about the work. Absolutely. Because that's one of the most important aspects of your work. If you're not interested if you're not involved, engaged, doing what you're doing, then mm-hmm. you do, you get stale, you know? And how many times have you gone somewhere and you've met somebody and you can tell they're just kind of making it through the day? You know, I hate saying like the DMV and it, I know there's always cracks and jokes, but you know what, that, you know, it's exactly true. I mean, I work with other flight attendants that, you know, it's time for them, they should do something. And I'll say to them, you know, find, find something that will make you happy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and like you, you know, and, and, and it's the environment. It's not what they do. Right. It's the environment, just like you found out. And it's, you know, you're fortunate enough to have been able to figure that out on your own, but a lot of people, it takes a long time. It wouldn't be great if they could like shave off a couple of years of not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And make the move. Right. Get unstuck. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what we were we were talking about in the beginning where people really feel like, oh my gosh, I've invested so much time and energy and effort to achieve the success that I'm experiencing at this juncture in my career. And I don't want to sacrifice that, but I'm also not really fully satisfied, right? So people right. will stay. Yeah, I know that I'm not fully satisfied. I'm going to stay and I'm looking at 10 years. How am I going to, what am I going to do? you know? So yeah, that's exactly it. And like, you know, uh, is the assessment like an end all, like you don't have to do anything else. I say, no, you know, this is a great springboard. This really works with your interest and and that gut feeling of yours. It doesn't mean that taking other assessments aren't helpful. I think Mm -hmm. that it's, you know, by using as many tools and learning as much as you can about yourself is really what's going to, you know, motivate you to keep going further and take that extra step. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, there's not a one, a one, I don't know, one trick pony, you know, that like saying like, you know, 
there, there isn't one thing that we can do that's going to fix everything. It's, there's so many things that we have to be doing to get there. Absolutely. Yes. And I, and I think that a lot of times, you know, we're, we're so focused with the end result of the career or the job, the money that, you know, you, you forget to think about um, your likes and, and what's attracted and, and those other little, you, you think all those other little things, but it's not, it, that was, I always say it's the little things that kind of get you and mm-hmm. overcome huge obstacles. Right. The little things that kind of nag. And, you know, that's what is so important. That's, that's what comes up when you work in the creative field, you know? Yeah. It's the little, it's like, if we can find the joy and satisfaction every day, even if it's just a little bit, instead of investing in the idea that I'll feel happy and joyful and satisfied when I reach this set, you know, point over here in the distance, but that just sets us up for a lot of discomfort and, um, misery. And in some cases, you know, it's really about the journey, which I like, you know, how you've, um, titled it your epics journey. Cause it really is about, about the journey, not the destination. Um, Right. And, you know, you could end up, you know, working and taking the assessment and doing different things. And all of a sudden you realize, you know what? Um, I realize exactly what I don't like. I might not have gotten um, exactly what I'm going to do, but I know for sure now I don't want to do X, Y, and Z, which has also been um, some end results with people that I've worked with. Yeah. That's good clarification, right? Mm-hmm. That's just as important. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. I think sometimes it's almost easier for us to hone in on what we don't want than it is to, to get gain clarity about what we do want. Well, I think that what happens is once you eliminate what you don't want, what's left, you go, wow, you know, I didn't realize this. I didn't think about that, you know, Mm -hmm. because when you're unhappy in, you know, you cut, you know, yourself and and it's painful, you know, exactly what that is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you know, when you're just having a, you know, great day, you don't really know what, what was it that made it great. You know what I mean? I mean, why that feeling that a great day, but why you're just, you know, stepping a little higher that day, you know, you can pinpoint it, but you know, that when something hurts, what it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's something too, about our energy, um, how much energy a job takes from us right? Versus how much energy it is like renewing, like a, you know, if we're doing something where we are feeling a lot of satisfaction and joy, it it feels like we still have a lot of energy left to give. But in some cases, when we're in positions where it, you know, it's void of that, it can feel like, oh, I don't have any energy left for myself to really like go and do those things that I really love. Like the gentleman you were mentioning with the salsa dancing. Right. You know. Yeah. And, but he had forgotten about it, but then when he remembered and started doing it, he was like, okay, I've got now all the energy in the world to go and do my work so I can get back to this. Right. Right. So yeah, yeah that was one of my really heartwarming, you know, stories. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a, a really cool outcome for sure. 
So if people wanted to take the EPICS assessment for themselves, where can they do that? Uh, they, you know, there, I have two um, uh, websites. One is epicscareer.com and the other one is yourepicsjourney.com. And either one will lead you to take the assessment. Okay. And if they take the assessment and they're like, you know what, I think I could really see myself using this with clients. Mm-hmm. How can they, um, how can they train with you to learn how to further utilize the tool in an effective way with their clients? Uh, there's two ways. I would have them email me first. That would be the most right now because um, I do about every other month. I do a, a Zoom course. Oh, okay. Which I do. It just depends if I have um, five or more people that are interested. We go together and then I will help you peel back the layers depending on what's going on, you know, what kind of therapy you're doing or, or um, your clientele. And then hopefully if all goes well, we, um, there might be a workshop this spring where you'll be able to get the CEUs, which you'll be able to use. Oh, it would be very important. And that would be a little bit of a larger one, not such a small one. And usually the workshops they last about two hours okay yeah all right so there'll be nothing for for a little while for sure oh yeah holidays are coming up we're recording this um kind of the week leading up to halloween but listeners you you probably will be hearing this sometime in december i imagine oh perfect um so you know just thinking about 2022 opportunities in 2022 to um connect and learn more about your work and how people can use the um use the epics assessment in their practices with clients um i think it's a really valuable tool um, thank you people. yeah thank you Thank you. All right. All right. So there are, I think it's going to be some goodies down below uh, that you're going to be adding. So there's also going to be a, um, a promotion code that you can use. It'll be only from hearing on this uh, podcast. All right. So we'll put that in the show notes. So a little promo code, if you want to take the assessment, Karen's offering a discount for listeners. Um, and we'll put that promo code in the show notes. So you'll have to check that out there. Um, all right. Thanks so much for, for being here today, Karen, and sharing about your work. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again. And if anybody has a question, just email is great. All right. happy and what's your email? Oh, it's Karen, K-A-R-E-N at ethics, E-P icscareer.com. Everyone, that's Karen, K-A-R-E-N at epicscareer.com. All right. Well, thank you so much again. And I really appreciate learning about your work and, um, and how I can use the EPICS assessment with the folks that I work with. Well, thank you. And everybody have a wonderful day. Hey, creatives. I hope you enjoyed that episode with art therapist Karen Anderson and learning all about her epics 
uh, career assessment tool that she developed uh, using images. And I just loved the story behind how she created it. Um, and I also think it's really cool that she has like, she's in these two dueling careers, um, one as a flight attendant and another as an art therapist. I just think that's really amazing. Um, anyway, I, I hope you enjoyed the episode and, uh, and you take her up on uh, checking out those resources, uh, checking out the uh, assessment tool itself. And um, just a reminder, this is the last episode that we're going to be releasing for 2021. So I hope that you all have a wonderful, safe, healthy, and joyful uh, rest of December and, uh, and Happy New Year. And we'll be back um, with new episodes in 2022. Uh, um, that will begin mid-January and uh, and then we'll we'll probably take another break sometime in the beginning of summer um, maybe similar to what we did this year and then um, and then come back in the fall and take another like month off you know mid mid, mid December through mid-January again uh, so Set your calendar uh, that third week of January. We'll be releasing new episodes. And don't forget, if you're interested in receiving support in growing your practice or building a practice, um, I have some seats open in the 2022 Mastermind group. And I know you already listened to it earlier, so uh, head on over to creativeclinicianscorner.com forward slash mastermind dash group to learn more and uh, sign up for a 20 minute Zoom with me to see if it's a right fit. We can talk about what you're doing so far, what you need help with, what your vision is, and um, yeah, and I look forward to hearing from you and talking with you soon. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.